partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more. Welcome to episode two of Dirty Laundry. My name is Tara Stewart and today I am joined by Shirfa Kaharty, the founder of Jump the Hedges. So today we're going to delve deeper into the sustainable fabrics and materials, where they come from, washing your clothes. But first, we're going to get to know Shirfa's background a little bit. Welcome. Thank you for coming, firstly. Thank you for having me, Tara. So I want to start with your journey, your fashion journey. You studied fashion design and NCAD. Mm -hmm. So that was, what, 10 years ago? 10 years ago this summer, yeah. And how was that? What made you even decide to get into fashion? So I'd always been interested in fashion from a very, a very young age and I just always really loved clothes was the key thing. And then I went on to study fashion design in NCAD, which is a really competitive course. And a lot of people in NCAD wanted to do that course. And it was an amazing uh, course. We th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. But 10 years ago, it was very different. Like the word sustainability was not even mentioned. It was not in our radar at all at that time. And I did an internship in New York with 3S4, these crazy designers based in Chinatown. And um, it was that was kind of like the first foray into a luxury fashion, really. Wow. And so what, how did the internship come about? Was that part of your college course? Um, well, we just were sort of expected to do internships. It was okay. up to us to organise it. And I kind of just came across these guys and they did a lot of like they did a lot of clothing for Roisin Murphy, Yoko Ono, Bjork. And they just sounded very unusual and they were very, very avant-garde, had their own little, had their own vibe and their own thing going on. And I, we were doing a, we did a college field trip to New York and I had an interview with them and it was kind of like an, an Andy Warhol studio when I went in. It was like silver floor to ceiling with uh, disco balls everywhere and dogs running around and loads of people making clothes and loads of people doing patterns. And to me, it just was like, I just felt like another universe. Um, So I went and worked with them for about four months in the summer. Amazing. When did you actually start to become interested in sustainability then? Um, So I have always been interested in recycling as such. And I grew up in a household where we recycled, we composted, and I I kind of assumed everyone else did that. And I quickly realised as I entered the working world that not everybody did that at all. And um, I suppose my key interest in, in sustainability, sustainable fashion as such, probably came about whenever I was just working within fashion design, I, I worked for a small company on the west coast of Ireland called Port West, and I became aware of just how clothing was made. And then when I went on and worked, I worked with Diesel in Dublin also, and they're all great companies, and I learned a lot. But I kind of just started to question what was in the fabrics and how things were being made, and just what happened to clothing that maybe got that wasn't correct, that um, maybe the the dye color didn't turn out right. And then it was definitely an Adidas. Were my you whole, worked in Adidas? Like how many years ago was that? Uh, that is five years ago now okay. I was in Adidas and it was really interesting because it was a very interesting time in Adidas to be there because the whole sustainability movement hadn't necessarily hit um, the general public but it definitely was hitting us in Adidas and we were all talking about it and I was I was on the outdoor clothing team which was the outdoor consumer is definitely the most savvy consumer really they're willing to pay a lot of money for their gear because they, it needs to work in all conditions like they're willing to pay 400 euro for a really good Gore-Tex jacket mm. while your standard Adidas consumer is more interested in uh, Adidas tracksuit basically the you fashionable know? side of things the fashion side yeah. of things so we had a big budget and we were allowed to do what we wanted to do and 
it was amazing. We got to um, we we got to work on all these different new initiatives, which was like the term zero waste. It was the first time I heard the term zero waste. Zero waste clothing would essentially be clothing that is created with as minimal waste as possible. So if you think about it, if you're making a t-shirt, um, if you're going to make that t-shirt in rectangles and squares as opposed to curves and circles, okay. you're gonna you're gonna save as much material as you can. And then we looked at no dye, which was taking a garment or a material in its raw form and not dyeing it because dyeing is a huge issue. Um, globally and you know the, the toxic the toxic chemicals that are released from dyeing is just horrendous so we looked at maybe having garments that were just completely raw the, the, the raw material and then you also worked in Levi's was that before or after Adidas so I worked in Levi's I did um, after I graduated I worked with Port West for one year and then I was eligible for a GA1 graduate scheme which was to go to America and um, for a year and work in the industry something related to your uh, your degree so I went to San Francisco and I taught at the Academy of Art University and then I also worked with Levi's as a pattern cutter and um, that was amazing because it was we looked at the pattern side of it so we looked at the again the zero waste side of things and how to create because naturally naturally you want things to be zero waste because the less material you use the, the cheaper your garment is going to be to produce mm-hmm. so it makes um, it makes financial sense to be zero waste in a way but it just is uh, the designers have to be aware of the importance of that so working with Levi's I got to look at the whole pattern side of things and then also just with regards to um, again in, in Levi's there was the, the dry dye was coming in which was dyeing the garments without using any water. Oh wow, okay. Well I'd love to get back to that in one second. But finally, you know, with your this is how you know so much information and you're a beacon of knowledge. You lecture fabrics and materials in DIT and fashion design and NCAD. So you lecture in a few different universities mm-hmm. as well across Ireland, isn't That's it? That's correct, yeah. So I've been doing that part time over the past few years alongside my business. So last year I taught um the DIT uh buying students uh fabric and materials a module there and that was a really interesting experience for me because previous to that I'd always taught fashion design to design students so I was working with very creative students that were making garments and collections and then suddenly I was put into this very business focused um, environment and it was actually very exciting for me because I believe that um, buyers need to be educated on this and they need to be aware because at the end of the day it all comes down to cost and the buyers are the ones that decide on on how much something's going to be. And buyers is that in terms of what fabrics they're buying or do you mean buyers even in like shops what they put in on the floor? Yeah, uh, both really. Okay. Yeah. So all like your department stores would have buyers within them, but then also in the likes of Adidas and Topshop, you'd have buyers within there too. So a buyer would have set, so you'd have your design team and then you'd have your buying team and your buying team would look after how much something costs. So if they're going to make a garment, like say like a t-shirt might cost $7 to manufacture. So it's up to the buyer, the buyer to say that's too expensive, that's too cheap. As in t- the fabrics that they're the using. The fabrics they're okay. using, the okay. overall look of things, yeah. And so speaking of fabrics and zero waste, you have your own company called Jump the Hedges. Um, how did that, Tell me what Jump the Hedges is firstly, for anyone that doesn't know. So Jump the Hedges is a sustainable design studio based in Belfast. And my main um, thing I do there is I create bags from reclaimed materials. And the materials are um, namely truck tarpaulin, so like the curtain sides of lorries. And I... I source them from all over the country, then I industrially wash them and then I make different bags from them. So I've got like um, bum bags and I've got wash bags and I've got like little um, uh, tote bags and backpacks, all different kinds of things. But alongside that, 
the brand has kind of evolved into nearly a platform for activism wherein I do workshops and I um, go around different communities and schools and just talk about climate change and talk about sustainability and then also create little accessories and things with adults and young people and just basically informing people on the importance of living a sustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And what made you decide or want to start an eco-friendly bag business? I've always asked a lot of questions in every environment I've ever worked in and I've always asked where does this go? What happens that if okay, if we've cancelled 10,000 metres of that material because it's the wrong colour, what happens to that material? And no one could ever give me answers. Everyone was always a bit vague and nobody really... Even, they didn't really care. Nobody seemed to care either to be honest which always slightly bothered me and mm. after that I started to really question as much as Adidas is probably one of the leaders now with regard to sustainability this was five, five years ago and things have definitely got better now but at that time I sort of felt like, God, I feel so small in a system. I feel just like a tiny mechanism here in a system. And, you know, I would love to maybe be a bit more hands on. I would love to be trying to do my own thing. And I would, I just would, I would like to be able to make again and use my hands. So try and make your own difference, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. As, as much as it'd be a small thing yeah. at, at the same time, I just, I really missed um, being able to create my own thing. And as opposed to like making like 10,000 units of like a t-shirt or a fleece or something, I just was like, you know, I'd prefer to get out there and try to make my own thing and uh, just try to create a little bit of an impact myself. Then let's get into uh, materials. Synthetic fabrics. What are synthetic fabrics? So synthetic fabrics are essentially plastic based um, and the reason why the fashion industry is considered one of the main polluters globally is because plastic comes from oil. So essentially your plastic based clothing has come from oil. So materials like polyester, acrylic, nylon, all these materials have a plastic, they're all made from plastic. Okay. And why are they so common then? Because so many companies use these because they're just they're very easy to make, very um, f- very quick to make. You don't have to wait on a crop to grow. You can just make this much faster and much cheaper. And um, you're 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 not waiting on the you're not waiting on external environment issues. Like say, there's a, a bad season with regards to weather, and especially now with our increasing climate change, you're not depending on climate. You're able to just make these materials from oil and just go go ahead with it. And then, why are they harmful to the environment? Then, I mean. Is this involving microplastics? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, microplastics would be a huge thing. So it's like estimated that from one acrylic garment, there could be up to like 700,000 pieces of microplastic released. They're so, so tiny that you can't, the human eye can't see them really. But there's just so much coming off all these plastic clothing. So every, every time you wash it, they're, they're, just, they're just shredding a little bit more and more and more. And they're eventually working their way into the water system. And then which will eventually end up in our food system. And can we kind of expand a little bit on what happens to the clothing when you wash them? Because there is a really big knock-on effect when you wash your clothes and especially how often you wash your clothes. Because, I mean, I know I've seen... Well, I'm trying to avoid washing my clothes. Not yeah. all the time. I just want to put that out there. Um, I'm not just like putting a bit of... Like, I'm not just putting like a bit of deodorant in there all the time. I mean, sometimes I am. Nothing wrong like, with that. Yeah, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, okay, it's, it's a bit funky, but it doesn't need to be completely washed. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. Messing, I'm, messing, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but um, we, there is the idea of, you know, sometimes when you just wear something once, you just throw it then into the wash yeah. basket. Most of the time, because you're a bit too lazy. I yeah. mean, I speak for myself. I'm a bit too lazy to yeah. just fold it and put it back in the drawer. Yeah. Uh, or you have, you have a, designated pile where your clothes are in limbo so oh, they're not limbo stuff yeah, yeah that's very you know that's I mean? very true yeah so i mean 
in terms of washing your clothes, what is the knock-on effect when you're washing the particular kind of clothes that are made from microplastics and synthetic fabrics? Well, they're basically... There's a couple of issues in it. The microplastics is a big issue. You know, it's breaking down, it's releasing tiny little particles into the ocean. So each time you wash that plastic-based piece of clothing, it's breaking apart. But then also for you as the consumer, your clothing is falling apart. So you've paid for something, you've worked hard to earn your money, you've gone in, you've purchased this item, and then it's falling apart in you. So as a consumer, you should be pretty angry about that. The fact that this, each time you wash it, it's just falling apart. And it's estimated that each piece of clothing is only for 10 wears. I feel like then, you know, when we've been, you know, when we shop in the cheaper clothing in the fast fashion places, we're just like, oh yeah, but it was only five euros. Of course Mm. it's not going to last. And I feel like we're just okay with that now. And we shouldn't be. No, we shouldn't be. But it's kind of like, you know, the the whole idea of things being built to last, like, uh, you know, that whole mindset has really shifted and you know things are like made made in obsolescence so things are made to to fall apart and you know I really think that I I just think it's very hard to earn a living to go out and to buy these things I think it's an insult to you as the consumer to to purchase something that essentially is only made for 10 10 washes or 10 wears potentially Mm. you know I think it's just I don't think it's good um, consumer support I mean I've got uh, a lot of vintage things that have, are really old and mm-hmm. like I wish you could sometimes you know test I don't maybe maybe you can you can yeah. test the fabric to see exactly what year it was mm-hmm. made or something like that but um there's clothes I've come across say like a skirt that I've got from literally the 1960s yeah. and it blows my mind that that was made in the 60s still, and it's still yeah. lasting it's amazing. and I was like yeah actually these clothes they they, they can yeah. last a lifetime if you yeah. look after them so in terms of looking after them temperature wise in the washing machine I mean I used to wash my stuff at a hot mm-hmm. temperature because I thought that's the way to do it. Not gonna lie, I actually stopped because my partner gave out to me because I was shrinking his clothes. <laughs> I'm not even joking. He actually was very, very upset when he pulled out his t shirts and they didn't fit him. So, aside from it not fitting you, I mean, what are better ways to wash in terms of temperature and maybe settings on a washing machine? So, I actually wash all my clothes cold uh, you don't it's like a myth that you need to wash your clothes at a hot temperature if you're uncomfortable with washing things cold then wash them at the 30 degrees which is probably the lowest option on your washing machine depending how new your washing machine is some washing machines are amazing um, I visited this really cool place in New York called Celsius Social set up by two female entrepreneurs and it's uh, it's an eco laundrette because everyone in New York has to use a laundrette well not everyone most people have to use a laundrette and they have these amazing washing machines that have like they've got a microplastic filter built in and they wash your clothing at whatever temperature you want and then they've got a high speed dryer so they're like super but most of us will definitely not have uh, washing machines that are that fancy mm. in our homes so I would suggest washing cold if you're okay with that and if not then 30 degrees and washing as little as possible um, because if you think about it too like your your clothes are falling apart each time you wash them so if you want to um, continue the, le- the length of the, the clothing life cycle you need to just hold back from washing it and another thing to do is to um, to spot clean so essentially just clean like if you've got like a small stain just clean the stain you don't need to wash the whole thing if it's just one tiny stain I guess it's like jeans where you mm-hmm. like I think it's everyone knows you're not supposed to wash your jeans yeah. much at 
all really Absolutely. I mean yeah. and that's proper jeans not just your mm-hmm. kind of you know stretchy jeans or yeah. whatever your cheaper ones and what about hand washing is that a bit good option as well do you think or it's yeah. just a, a bit of a longer process I guess um, hand washing can be good um, particularly for like underwear it definitely um, lengthens the, the life of your underwear or using one of those we like um, lingerie bags that'll definitely lengthen the life and th- for jeans uh, turning, thing, turning inside out will help jeans and hand washing is good you know but um, it's it's definitely just trying to keep your Washington minimum, which is definitely a it's nearly like a mindset shift for certain people. Mm-hmm. And in terms of drying clothes, I mean, we know we're coming we, with winter in Ireland. It's hard to yes. dry your clothes. <laughs> it might take a week to what to literally dry. Yes. Like yeah. it is very annoying. I mean, even during the summer, in fairness, <laughs> you'd have it on the hangar, and you literally yeah. you're at work and it's raining. You're like, okay, yeah. brilliant. It's good. I literally have my clothes out for ages. So I mean, so I don't have a dryer anymore. I used to, and I remember having the dryer and thinking it was the best thing since yeah. I spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I don't. Um, but, I mean, for some people, say, we, everyone lives in different conditions. They yes, live in a house, absolutely. apartment, mm-hmm. they have a clothes horse or you use outside. Yeah. What are the, like, drying your clothes does affect them, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Particularly anything with elastic, anything stretchy, um, it basically just wears away on the elastic. So say you paid 90 euro for your fancy Lululemon pants, they're going to eventually just fall apart if you're tumble drying them. And is that because of the heat in it? The heat, yeah. The heat just basically breaks the elastic down. And then also, if you think about it, like we kind of, we all quite happily go ahead and clean out the, the lint from the lint filter, but that's your clothes. It's your clothes falling apart. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh, wow. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so on tips on drying, on how mm-hmm. to dry your clothes in alternative ways that aren't in a dryer. Okay, so um, this was something I came across in Vancouver uh, last year. Uh, these like dryer balls and they're like these quite big, probably like double the size of a tennis ball and they're made from, they're pure wool balls and you put like three of them in with your, in your tumble dryer and they speed up the process massively because they basically suck all the, the dampness and the wet out of your clothes. They're amazing. Wow. Yeah, so they're really good because, you know, some people, if you like, if you dry your towels, for example, on the, on the line or on a on a clothes horse, they are quite tough. So a lot of people really do want to finish off with the tumble dryer. So the likes of these are great. And then there's another wee thing I found out about called Eco Egg, and that's from um, a store called Reusey, and they reduce tumble drying also. So they're pretty similar to the um, to the wool balls. But if you just Google online to find the different wool balls, and they're generally from like small like little communities or small farmers that are like trying to have a nearly a side business to to maybe selling wool. This is the thing they've come up with. I've noticed that it obviously seems to be a small and um, tiny sustainable industry that's making them. Interesting. Um, I also just wanted to touch back on something you mentioned earlier on about dye. Anything that is very bright and vibrant, that's been a toxic process to get to that. Like a, a chemical process has been created. Anything that's dull and um, maybe not hu- that bright probably hasn't been as much of a toxic process. Well, depending on your fabric material and depending... People tend to, if people are going to do something organically and sustainably, they're going to shout all about it. So you don't have to be like a detective looking at all these things. If someone's going to have a sustainable day on their clothing, they're going to talk about that at length because that's like a big seller. And Adidas are doing a lot of that at the moment. They're talking about their whole dry day system, their no day, and just about how the process is hugely not chemically based and um, it's not going in back into the water system and 
anything that's a luminous pink, ne- neon or orange has definitely been a chemical process. Oh, they're my favourite <laughs> colours. So, um, but then how do you, is black, what about black? Like, is that just, it's come that way or is that okay? Black black is an interesting one. Um, black is definitely, it's not necessarily as toxic because you're not having to put as much in to make it that, and it's, there's no vibrancy issues there. Um, but the whole black thing is actually quite interesting because like maybe back in like the 1960s, there would have been like a dyer in lots of villages that would have dyed clothing for you, maybe even black. And there's actually a girl in New York who's from Dublin and she has a company called Make It Black and she was in NCAD with me and her whole um, business system or her business plan that she's uh, setting up is uh, uh, is a a system for people to bring their clothes in and dye them black. So it's called Make It Black. So it's like a really sustainable way to just make something brand new for yourself. Oh, so is this maybe if your clothes have gotten a bit dull or yeah. your jeans are a bit dull? Absolutely. Because I've actually seen you can get like little colour bombs, mm-hmm. but then you put them, I've seen that you can, I've never used it, but you can put it in a washing machine. I guess yeah. that's not a good thing to do. Well, it isn't, it isn't. See, this is the thing too, is that you can really torture yourself over all these things yeah. and you can be like, oh, because no, there's always going to be a downside and an upside and there's, it's, the whole sustainability thing is kind of a double-edged sword. It's, you're, you're trying to do this one thing, but then if you start to like track it back, maybe it's not necessarily as sustainable as you thought, but you have to do your best. And if you're trying to lengthen the life of your of your piece of clothing, I think that's you doing your best. And if that means dying it, then go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of buying Irish, buying local, is that better? And I guess, should someone still look into the brand before mm-hmm. they just go and buy Irish? Yeah, I, I would say don't be, don't be blind as such, you know, question things and look into things too but it's definitely better to support local businesses 100% you know if you think about someone that's making a product locally like I make my bags in Belfast I source my materials all across Ireland um, I get my my trimmings and things from a supplier in England you know everything is very locally sourced and that's definitely better to support a small Irish maker than to go into something that's mass produced in in a, in a, in a superstore essentially um, so it's definitely better to support Irish because you're helping the economy too. You're, it's all it's all an ecosystem. You know what you're putting into that person. They're able to employ themselves. They're able to maybe employ other people. There, there's so much small business support happening by you supporting that one person. They're able to support many other people, including themselves. Yeah, exactly. And. With fashion design students and fashion buying students, you obviously have first-hand experience with them because you teach them a lot. I mean, have you seen a big shift in, say, 10 years ago when you, you did your course and mm-hmm. then now with sustainability being the huge buzzword mm-hmm. of right now? I mean, they're asking you questions now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really exciting for me to think that this new breed of, of, of um, young designers are coming into the industry. They're asking questions, they're being confident. It's really exciting that they're so confident in, 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 what, in their beliefs and in their passion and their activism, I think it's um, it's really it's really important and it's just very motivating for everyone else. Because sometimes I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and for a while it did feel like I was a lone voice, and now it's there's like all these people on it too. Yeah. So it's really exciting time, which I think is great because I think sometimes people can be a bit like, oh, but everyone's talking about it. it's like, mm-hmm. but that's a good that's thing. A good thing. It's Absolutely. literally there's yeah. nothing bad yeah. at all mm-hmm. to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the future of fashion, where do you see fashion going now? 
in the future because it is changing. Brands are changing. Mm-hmm. We do need the bigger brands to change, yes. I think, because it's, but it shows you that when the consumer asks for things, it change, people change. Things Absolutely. change. You see, I mean, even though it's not great with plastic straws mm-hmm. and paper straws, even though there's some alternatives that aren't the best, mm-hmm. but still. And then even things like um, people, coffee shops giving discounts on mm-hmm. keep cups, all these things, yeah. brands doing recycled collections. Where do you see the future of fashion going? Um, I think it's a really exciting and very positive time. And I think the reason why it's so exciting too is because it's come from the people. People have asked questions and people are wanting change and they're they're wondering who made my clothes, where did my clothes come from? And now the, the conversations are getting higher and higher and the high level conversations need to happen. So there's only so much we can do as consumers. Yeah, we can put our money where our mouth is and say, I'm going to buy that instead of that. However, it needs to come from government. There needs to be government legislation in order to uh, censor what's coming in and what's going out of the country and where it's been made. So it all needs to be government governmental based from this point on, I believe, because there's only so much we can do as a consumer. Mm-hmm. And finally, for anyone that is, say, well within sustainability or is literally just like, okay, I'm going to give this a go now, what would be your advice to anyone that is in either feeling a bit stressed about it or worried mm-hmm. or just trying to get do their best, I guess? Yeah, that's the eco-anxiety, isn't yeah. it? Um, Molly Parsons told me about that and that's definitely something that I feel and a lot of people feel and I think you just do your best and also please don't fall into this. Like the, the capitalist approach to sustainability really does bother me and I don't expect everybody to be able to afford my bags. Like my, ba- my yoga bags are 80 euros and I do not expect everyone to be able to afford those and I think that you need to go within whatever's within your budget and the key thing I say is just buy less. Like just try, go back through your wardrobe, look at what what you have and rewear things and reuse things, swap with your friends instead of just feeling like you have to go out and buy a keep cup or buy all these things that we're being pushed at that we essentially need but don't really need. Just look at what you already have and look what's already in existence. Finally, at the end of every episode, we get our guests to give us five fast facts mm-hmm. um, on SF. So take it away. So, five facts. Um, First, there are lots of new and exciting fabrics on our way to us in the next few years. Mushroom leather, for example, which is from a company in San Francisco called Bolt Threads. So essentially, the future of fashion is going to be in a lab, which is totally sustainable and totally renewable. Um, when recycling material, it is not. It is next to impossible to recycle anything with lycra in it. So anything with a stretch that basically can't be recycled. And number three, uh, pure materials um, are the most easily recycled. So the likes of 100% linen, 100% cotton. But be careful as well, because you might think you're buying something that's ethical and 100% cotton, but the thread might be polyester or something. So things like that should always be on the label. Mm -hmm. Number four, pure undyed or naturally dyed natural materials are always compostable in the right environments. So again, you have to be careful of your threads and things like that too. But those materials essentially will break down to nothing in a number of months, uh, which is actually quite exciting. And that's what we really should be looking towards. And then last but not least, it's always better to buy an existing secondhand garment than to buy something new, regardless of whether it is organic or not. Something that's in existence is always more beneficial and more sustainable to purchase. Thank you so much, Shafer. That was really informative. I hope someone goes away coming from this podcast with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of facts about what they can do to make their clothes last longer. That's it from this episode of Dirty Laundry. You can follow me over on Instagram at Tara Stewart DJ and catch me every weeknight on 2FM with a brand new music show from 8pm. Until the next episode, I'll talk to you then. Partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more.